Hey everyone, well we had such an amazing time with all the moms that came to Crossroads this last week and we hope that you guys had just an amazing Mother's Day. And so Pastor Chuck right now is going to talk about Meet God and transition from Meet God the Father to God the Son. So stay tuned and hear about how God is God the Son. Hey everyone, welcome to What's Up with Pastor Chuck. And uh, we talked this last week in Mother's Day week, actually, all our Mother's Day week services uh, about Jesus. We're in a series called Meet God. And so we talked about God the Father, and now we're coming to God the Son, Jesus, who came, he was God, he took on flesh, he lived amongst us, he lived the most incredible life ever. And, And he did so, so we could see God, so we could see how we're supposed to live, so we could end up knowing God by his dying on the cross for our sins and his rising from the dead. And the idea of having a personal relationship with Jesus as our Lord and Savior is what brings us into a relationship with the Abba Father, is also which brings us into the, the whole idea we go to heaven. But it's almost, believe it or not, better than just going to heaven. It's living life now. Uh, In Romans 8, Paul tells us that we're all predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus, of God's Son. And um, I don't know if this is meaningful to everybody else, but I remember when I was in college, and man, I'm really wanting to walk after Christ, and I'm really wanting to be, you know, really completely His. Like, I was radically determined I wanted to live every moment with Him and for Him because I loved Him so much that I discovered this passage of Scripture, and it became my life verse. And so this is, I actually have two life verses now, and this passage is one of my life verses, and it's 1 Peter 2, 21 to 25. And listen to what it says. It says, for you, and by the way, if you're a believer, you and I, it says, for you have been called for this purpose. Uh, Have you ever thought about what purpose you were called for? Uh, What is the purpose every single Christian is called for and called to? Get ready for the next line. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. And uh, I remember back then, you know, I'm young, I'm idealistic. I, I'm, you know, I really still somewhat of a new believer. I thought, you know what, that's it. Jesus suffered for me, so I want to be willing to suffer for him. Jesus died for me. I want to, I, I would actually want to die for him. And, and Pam and I, in those early days, that's how we lived. Like we thought, God, wherever you want to take us. And so my friends and I, we would sit around and we would talk about, where do you want to go minister? And most of my friends, not that it was bad or I wasn't judging them, they wanted to go to the suburbs. They wanted to go like to the Orange County area or they wanted to go to the newest community. And Pam and I wanted to go to the worst slums in the United States. We wanted to go minister to prostitutes and gang members. And, and, and we wanted to be, in, and believe it or not, back then, especially both of us, in the most risky place possible where, where we might have a, a real likelihood of suffering for Jesus, of being beaten, of, of being attacked, of being ridiculed. And, and we were like, we, you know, if Jesus would do that for us, if he would come from heaven and live for us on an earth where he was brutalized, Am I willing to actually suffer a brutal thing for Jesus? And we actually wanted to. And so we're praying about that, excited about that. And, and like, oh, I'm telling all my friends that's what I'm going to do. And all my friends actually thought that was cool. And uh, we end up being called to the suburbs. So <laughs> we're in a pretty nice area uh, in California. And it was like, Lord, I would have done anything for you. And I know God called me there. And, and the Lord started showing me that's where I want you. But I I really love the idea that that's how I was then. I hope that's how I am now. That, you know, I want to live in the blessing of God. I want to live in the loving love of God. 
But I, I also want to be willing to, to suffer for Jesus and to see that as something special and see that as something amazing and see that as something, you know what, it'd be worth it. Uh, Paul actually said that he bears on his body the brand marks of Christ. In other words, he said, I've got scars all over me because I followed Jesus. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 16, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he would seek to, seek to save his life will lose it, but whoever would lose his life for my sake will find it. And, um, you know, I'm not talking about being a, a masochist or a sadist. I'm just saying, you know what, Jesus is worth that. Uh, it's worth suffering for the Lord. And that's why when Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you got to take up a cross. You, you got to be willing to die to things and maybe suffer. And in 1 Peter 2.21, it says that Jesus called for us to understand that he suffered and he gave us an example to follow in his steps. Many times walking in the steps of Jesus will lead us to a place where we're going to suffer, where we may be ridiculed, we might be insulted, um, we might um, ha have moments where, you know, life turns on us, people are cruel to us. Um, and you know what? Are we willing to do that and do it the way Jesus did? Because here's the next part of it. When Jesus suffered, it says that he didn't sin. Very often when I suffer or you suffer, we actually retaliate in a sinful way. It says this, he committed no sin. This is in First Peter 2. It goes on in verse 22. There was any deceit found in his mouth. He didn't lie to get out of it. Uh, he stayed right there. And then while being reviled, he didn't revile in return. And while he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he entrusted himself to him who judges righteously. And then Jesus himself bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed, for you were continually straying like sheep, but you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. Uh, if you study church history, you're going to know something's true. Uh, church, the church was built on what's called the blood of the martyrs. Uh, uh, there's been huge times in church's history of amazing uh, attacks and persecution and, and martyrdom where people died for the Lord, and every time the church grew. Uh, those are our heroes of the faith who would be willing to suffer and die for Jesus and do so in a loving way, by the way, and not hating our enemies, but loving our enemies. And so we start learning about these amazing men and women who were willing to, to live for the Lord and die for the Lord. And, and what I'm trying to say to you is that might just sound like, wait, what are you talking about? We don't talk about these things very often. Uh, we talk about, you know, uh, of the whole idea of being, having fun and, and, and being happy, which, you know what, those are awesome things too. But maybe we ought to start up and sometimes say, wait a minute, uh, in the end, the happiest life ever is when I can even suffer for Jesus. Uh, the funnest life ever, believe it or not, is where I can do so much for God that it's clear that no one else in the world would live like we live and love like we love in Jesus and, and live that way. So what happens, a man named Charles Sheldon also had this as his favorite verse. I didn't know that when I chose it as mine. Charles Sheldon was a very successful pastor in the 1800s. And uh, what happened is Charles Sheldon uh, realized, hey, my life's comfortable. Everybody else's life is comfortable. And, and then he encountered somebody who he, in the moment, did not help. And he should have. He should have stopped and helped them. And that person ended up dying. And Sheldon thought, what did I do? What did I do? And he began to pray and pray and pray. Through that, there was an inspiration to write a book called In His Steps. And the book's a fictional book based on that real incident that happened. And he began to call this very uh, wealthy church in Topeka, Kansas, to live in the steps of Jesus. And then he came up with the phrase you may have heard. It comes from Charles Sheldon. What would Jesus do? 
you ever hear about that WWJD? It comes from Charles Sheldon. What would Jesus do? Based on this verse, if we walk in his steps, he was living in our life, what would Jesus do? And be completely committed to doing that. And the book is amazing because a newspaper editor makes a commitment to do what Jesus would do, and he's decided, I can't allow some of the ads in the newspaper to be in it because Jesus wouldn't. He ends up being fired from his job. A famous opera singer attended the church, but she realized that Jesus wouldn't do what she was doing, so she left her a famous, famous career in that day, and she goes and starts serving people who are under-resourced and in need. Uh, 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 person in his church makes that commitment. And every single person who makes the commitment to do what Jesus do in the book, every one of them at one point suffered a loss, a loss of a hope, a dream, a prestige, a position. But then Charles Sheldon shows in the book this, every single one of them ends up happier. Every single one of them ends up closer to Jesus. Every single one of them makes more of an impact on the world. And even though the book's fictional, it's a true, it brings out something that's really true that very often we have to do what Jesus said. We have to be willing to understand that it doesn't do any good for us if we gain the whole world, but we lose our soul. And so we have to be willing in the end to give up ourself, die to self, and we gain everything. And Sheldon brought that out in the book. Uh, kind of interesting. This is what I think is wild too. Uh, a historic moment for church history. Charles Sheldon read this story to his church. They boomed in uh, the number of people, I mean, the number of attendants went so high, they had to add services, as he literally was just reading, literally reading the story that he'd written. And then what happened is people took it seriously, and the church grew even bigger because of a greater call to commitment. Uh, and I pray that for Crossroads. I don't pray that we suffer, but if we suffer for him, then that's that's a blessing. But I pray we do walk in his steps. And I pray our commitment level rises so high that we always are living in our lives based on what would Jesus do. Uh, let me say this to you. The greatest goal you should have in life, the single most uh, focused purpose, purpose you should have in your life is to be like Christ, is to ask that question, what would Jesus do? So I'm going to give you a challenge right now. Ask that question this week. Uh, when you go out, get ready to go out to eat, what would Jesus do? Uh, when you're encountering somebody, ask, what would Jesus do? When you um, have somebody insult you, ask, what would Jesus do? Because by the way, he wouldn't revile in return and he wouldn't threaten. Um, when you're faced with a big problem, what would Jesus do? When you have an opportunity to help somebody, maybe it's a homeless person, uh, maybe it's a child in your neighborhood, uh, maybe it's somebody at church, uh, maybe you are, it's, it's maybe it's something, believe it or not, that might seem simple in the moment, like you're 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 watching a mom try to navigate a grocery cart in a store, um, or maybe you see uh, somebody you know who can't carry their own groceries. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And maybe it's just give someone a smile. What would Jesus do? And, and get ready for the week you're going to have. Get ready for the month you're going to have. Get ready for the life you're going to have. Hey, uh, super excited for what we're digging into the next week. So uh, don't forget about that. By the way, on May 19th, 17th, May 17th, Tracy's helping me. <laughs> on May 17th, we have an amazing event for everybody who's single. If you're 25 years old and up and you're single, man, we have something fun for you. It's our Singles Fiesta from 7 to 9 at night. It comes on May the 17th. It is going to be a blast. Pam and I had a heart to see this community formed. You're going to end up with the best friendships. You're going to end up also with the best place uh, of 
having relationships that are geared around Christ so that you're focused together on making an impact in the world. And there's going to be worship, food, fun. It's a fiesta, so Taco Man's going to be there or something like that. And uh, some fun games. But make sure and come. Make sure and come. So, hey, have a great time and all the singles. Actually, Pam and I want to come by and see you May 19th. No, May 17th. (laughs) May 17th. Don't come on May 19th. May 17th, Friday night. See you then. Wow. So what would Jesus do is uh, our challenge for moving forward and just to have that thought in our minds. And also having a life verse. So Pastor Chuck shared what his life verse is. My life verse is Romans 8.31. I came to that when I was 14. So um, if you guys don't have a life verse, start praying about it. Pray that God will guide you to that verse that just echoes throughout your life. And um, feel free to email Pastor Chuck and let him know. We'd love to hear what your life verses are. Have a great week and we'll see you next week.